Hi, everybody. Welcome to the High Fidelity Podcast. I'm your host, Hai Trung, and today we are joined by my friend and colleague, Christine Chen. She has traveled around the world and consulted with technology firms, different groups of entrepreneurs, and much, much more as an expert between the intersection of psychology and technology. She is also an advocate for those who have experienced cultures from a variety of levels. So, Christine, welcome to the show, and could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, hi. Thank you so much for inviting me over. So, as you mentioned, I'm a third culture kid. I travel around the world. I've lived in five countries. This is my fifth one, the United States, and it's been a journey. So, as a profession, as my profession, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a psychology researcher, trainer, speaker, and writer. So, my main focus really is mental health and how we can scale mental health solutions all over the world. So it's not limited to people who like who can afford therapy. It should be available for everyone. So yes. That's fantastic. I think democratizing access and making conversations that are typically taboo accessible for folks is absolutely important. So how does a person who's lived around the globe, interacted with all different types of people, decide to do this for a living? Why this as opposed to anything else you could possibly do? Oh, it's a great question. So I'm going to go a bit to my backstory. Absolutely. So I grew up in a Taiwanese household. Tiger mom, tiger dad. Ridiculous, mm. right? And both of them are workaholics as well. So I grew up in a workaholic household. I played a piano when I was three, like all of my neighbors. <laughs> so very high expectations, right? right? Unfortunately, when I was nine, uh, my mom left us uh, because of a divorce. And she chose her career. Uh, over the family, hmm. right? And during that time, I was I was faced with like an existential crisis at nine years old. I was like, why did my mom leave me, hmm. right? Why is work more important than health? Why is work more important than family? Why do I have to do all of these things? Well, you know, how? why do I have to achieve to be able to get my parents' attention? So right. a lot of these questions came up when I was nine. And as a usual nerd, I went to the bookstore to look for the answer. Hmm. All right. So I walked in the bookstore and I didn't go to the children's section. What drew me was the psychology section. I don't know why. I don't know what drew me there. But I just walked to the psych section and I saw a book. This book is The Time Paradox by Dr. Philip Zimbardo. Hmm. He is a psychologist at Stanford uh, and he talks about time perception. Uh, another research that he's known for is the prison experiment. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very that, controversial. Very controversial. So the lesser known one is time perception, all about how how we view time affects our mental well-being and our decisions from should we prioritize family or work? Should we prioritize mental health or just cram and work the whole night? Things like that. He right. talks about it through the lens of how we view time. And since then, I was hooked. Hmm. Right? Since then, I was hooked. Like psychology was my anchor. Reading Zimbardo's work and other psychologists, it helped me uh, get through the loneliness, the uncertainties of academics, of family, and work in general. So hmm. that's how I got into psychology. Yeah. Interesting. And so for the work that you do abroad, do you see any differences between the audiences and the organizations that you consult with over in Asia as opposed to here in the United States? Oh, my. There's a big difference. I can only speak for Asia. Absolutely. Right. So but I feel like a lot can relate if you work in like a, an Asian culture company. 
the biggest difference is conformity. Hmm. In Asia, at least in East Asia, Chinese culture, it's all about harmony, right? So let me give you an example. If you are a twenty-five-year-old young professional, you won't dare speak up to someone older. So implication: if you are a marketing creative,、hmm. even if you have so much ideas about Facebook ads, whatever, you're gonna be turned down because you're too young. So that is the general culture in East Asia. It's all about conformity to adults, right? It's about conformity to professionals. So it's very age conscious. In America, it's more liberal. I find it more meritocratic. Like、mm-hmm. it's up to how creative you are and things like that. So very, very different. So how does this affect、uh, a young professional working in Asia? If you have these ambitions and these desires, and you're influenced by much more than just what's around you, you see maybe your Western peers or those in other. Regions of the world excelling and able to express themselves. What have you seen when people communicate with you about some of their concerns? Right.、Uh, so two things come up. Two terms. Some people work to live. Some people live to work. Right. In Asia, what's happening is people just work to make a living. So fulfillment,、uh, the right to be happy at work, it's kind of gone.、Hmm. Right. It, it's. I just I'm gonna work this eight hours. I'm gonna go to school, you know, get the PhD because my mom said so. <laughs> because、yeah. I need to. Right. Do I even have the right to complain? It's it's part of the structure. I don't want to ruin it, right?、Mm. But but in the West, what I'm seeing is especially here in LA, creativity, it's it's thriving. Silicon Valley even it's all about expression. You li-、uh, you work to live. It's like you have passion for your job. So,、hmm. so if I'm working eight hours a day and I don't feel like there's any other option available to me other than just to do what the standard norm is and to defer to those that have more perceived wisdom as a result of age, where does all of that energy and intention go after work?、Oh, that's a that's a very great question. Because okay, let's just talk about Tokyo. Yeah. Right. If you go to Tokyo, you'll see the streets are very like everyone's wearing suits. It's like New York City. Right. But at night, that's where Tokyo becomes fun.、Hmm. They have these beer houses at night, like after 9 p.m. That's where all the male, well, most of the stressed out ones, they binge, <laughs> they binge drink there. Right. Binge drinking. If you're from from Vietnamese culture. Yep. Yeah, it's. Big bar culture. Yes,、well. it's、yeah. all about expressing that angst, expressing that unfulfilled creativity at work. You release it after hours,、hmm. so it's very, very unhealthy. Because if you drink on a Monday night or a Tuesday night because you're stressed because of your boss,、right. the next day you're gonna feel very bad at work. So it's a, it's a loop. So that is how it manifests.、Hmm. So. Are there any support structures that you've been observing in your time when you're working in Asia that you see is kind of unique to Asia, as opposed to how people are finding outlets to, you know, relieve some of that stress over here in the Western world? Right.、Uh, I think this is a mediator. It's common amongst cultures, and that is the rise of technology.、Hmm. So a lot of people, especially the introverted ones who prefer to stay at home, sure. You result to social media. That's why we have a new kind of addiction popping out. It's an addiction.、Mm. 
same range as alcohol, as substance abuse, social media addiction. So you see millennials. After work, you're so stressed out. You just stay at home. You know, you go on online dating apps. You go on Facebook, Instagram to search for that attention that you lacked at work. Hmm. Interesting. And that addiction is unhealthy, right? Because it affects a lot of things. Instagram have just been ranked as the most harmful social media app. No kidding. Yes. Wow. Out of all. YouTube is actually pro-social, so it's actually good. Instagram? Mm. Right. So that is what I'm seeing across the world, not just in Asia. Mm. People who are unfulfilled at work look for other ways to seek attention, seek fulfillment. Yeah. So you're currently in a master's program yes. at the moment to really enrich and deepen your knowledge about this. You've read over 400 pieces of research on this subject matter. How is that informing the work that you do when you do consult with companies mm. or individuals? Right, definitely. So it's both ends, right? Uh, for research in psychology, there's a very interesting field emerging, which I'm very passionate about, which is human-computer interaction. Hmm. So what does that mean? You consult with companies about how you design the applications so that it's mentally healthy for people, right? And not a lot of companies will apply to that. Right? Because how we view uh, how addictive we are with Facebook and Instagram is all about the interface. Hmm. So what we psychologists do is we inform these companies, this is how you put the buttons. This is how you, the colors that you should use. This, is, this color will induce calm in people. So in a way, it is through design, consulting through designing the interface that we can help support people. So it's two ways too. So first you consult the businesses and second, which is why I'm so happy to be here is to educate the consumers, right? Be aware of what social media apps are doing to you. Why is this addicting? So, yeah. So if you were interfacing with me and talking to me and let's do a little bit of a role play, assume that I'm in my either early 20s, mid 20s, either existing student or young professional I'm working 8 to 10, 12, maybe 15 hours at a job I maybe liked in the beginning and then realized, oh, work life is a little bit different than what I expected. <laughs> Thankfully, we're not in a recession. What are good things for me to think about in order to have a good checklist on whether or not the things that I do are either good for me or not so good for me? Definitely. So common knowledge at least in major media, is to tell you to follow your passion. If you don't like it, just quit. Right. Right. And I fell trapped into that too. Hmm. Right. But research shows, so there's this wonderful book by Cal Newport. Uh, he's a researcher in MIT, and he released a book, So Good They Can't Ignore You. He talks about how our current generation has a problem, and that is when things are difficult, you just want to quit. So let's say you go into your job. After six months, you're bored. Uh, after six months in your undergraduate program, you're bored, math is not for me, you just quit, right? So you have to be able to think, what is your long-term goal, right? Is your goal to be a professional in your field or do you just wanna jump around? And if you want to be a professional in your field, I would highly recommend uh, seeing to stick in your industry. Don't just quit immediately, right? Because it, no, no job is perfect. You have to grind through. That is part of the work, right? If you look at all the achievements of the world from Einstein, okay, you don't have to be Einstein, just like <laughs> a, a manager of, a, let's say, Google, right? Sure, They've sure. been there for years. They've been building expertise, right? So it's very important to stick through the hard times. 
But a good question to ask is when do you quit? Right. That is um, a good question. Yeah. And it's a difficult question to answer. It's really up to your personality. I feel that a good gauge is like to uh, measure you and the value of the company. Now, if you're inherently a kind person who values honesty and your company is obviously corrupt, like let's say uh, you're marketing for a very unethical product, it's a good time to consider if this is the right field for you. Yeah. I absolutely resonate with everything that you're saying. That being said, is Christine here in the studio in 2019 the person that absolutely knew to stick it out? Or did you have moments where you felt maybe it's time that I quit or maybe I try something different? Oh, my goodness. It's been a journey. This is <laughs> I feel like I'm the person, person to ask because I've had so many failed startups in the past. Hmm. So... Just to give you a background, I started in the marketing industry. Then I went into tourism. I even went into retail. There were a lot of industries that I went into, and I just quit because I didn't feel it. Now, should I stick it out? Honestly, I'm grateful I left. Uh, but the moral of the story is you never know until you test it. And your body will feel it if your job aligns with you. So keep failing forward. But if I were to give advice to, let's say, the fresh graduate self, like 20, 22 year old me, I would say stick with what got you into your field in the first place. Mm. Not the title, but the job scope. Let's say you went into marketing. D dig deep within yourself. What do I like about marketing? I love communicating, I love creativity. So if I do wanna change a job, maybe lean towards that. Yeah. I think yeah, that's a great person. point. It's yeah. about, uh, it's about skills mm. rather than titles. However, right. if you think conventionally, at least from my experience growing up in Western culture, going through the K through 12 system and the four-year mm. university system, you're supposed to make these decisions when you haven't even fully developed. Mm. And there's a lot of pressure, there's a lot of ranking, there's a lot of competition, and that doesn't even leave you. After you graduate your undergraduate career, it continues to pervade through the remainder of your adult life mm. in one way or the other. Mm. So that being said, for myself, I started off wanting to be an English teacher mainly because really? I had a phenomenal set of teachers throughout my time in high school that were kind of like surrogate fathers for me, right? Oh. So rough childhood, dad left the picture, mom did her damnedest to raise me and my brother on her mm. own. and. You know, my brother's five years my senior. He was navigating life in his own way, and we were just trying to figure it out. Had I not had those teachers, I probably would have dropped out of high school. Mm. So to have such a strong figure in my life, I said, oh, if college is what I'm supposed to do to fulfill this immigrant mm. dream, then I am going to give this a shot. Mm. And so I get into the university as an English major, mm. largely because I had an ability to improvise, think on my feet, and communicate in a way that could be convincing to other people. Obviously, I'm not an English teacher right now. Yeah. I did substitute teach for a while. I worked in educational programs for two or three years. Uh, I even explored educational policy for a while. Mm. But here I am, I've worked a myriad of different jobs myself, retail, real estate, mortgage, sales, recruiting, construction, I mean, the whole gamut. And wow, none, of those, none of those <laughs> no times were out. ever glamorous either. <laughs> uh, no, no worked out. For all of you that are struggling <laughs> on how to feed yourself and pay your rent, uh, treat yourself to some oatmeal. You can amortize that down to about 35 cents. <laughs> 
plus a banana, get some potassium, <laughs> got your omega-3s. And oranges. And an orange, you know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. And then a little bit of sardines. Yes. Uh, you will you will survive. survive. Disclaimer, if you have food allergies to any of those things, I, I would not recommend <laughs> you try that. So here you are you know, doing your graduate program. You're interacting with people. Tell us a little bit about these groups that you work with over in Asia. There's a developer group and mm. another group you work with. Right. So there are technology communities, and we basically promote and empower developers uh, to step into their power and be confident hmm. and to, of course, take care of their mental health. Right, because in Asia, the thing is, it's very different from California hmm. or Silicon Valley. People have hesitations with launching. People have hesitations with being their best selves because, again, you want to preserve the harmony. So right. basically what we do is we come in and we empower these entrepreneurs. So what does that look like for a person that feels very hesitant because their whole lives have been told, don't shake things up? How do you make them feel that they can maybe not shake things up, but express themselves and not be apologetic for it? Okay, so first you have to deal with the family. Mm. So in Asia, this is what I find so lacking in Western um, literature, is the concept of family is very different in Asia. Family is the core of the community. So if you want to address being independent, being creative, you have to first accept that family is important. I can't just tell an entrepreneur, hey, look, you want to do this? Quit your job and just leave your house. No. Right. You have to accept that your mom is important, your father is important. Right. You have to communicate. So first step is how do you communicate with your family members about what you want to do? Respect the elderly. It's so important. Because w for me, I'm very family-oriented as well. Mm. What is the point of a successful career if you look back and no one's behind you? Right. And I think that's the Asian part of me. And that is what I don't want um, the entrepreneurs to feel like they have to give up. First up is family. Second is make sure you have your community around you. So when you make that leap, you make, you're, you're creating an app. You're creating a new website. Are you, who are the people around you? Do you have entrepreneurs around you, right? Do you have mental health providers around you who can support you? So yeah, those are the two first steps. I think those are great points. And as a person that grew up for a long time uh, during the divorce part of my childhood, it was very rocky. Mm -hmm. I recall uh, acting out quite a bit. I got expelled from a school. Uh, I stole things from other students and then sold them to other <laughs> students. Uh, people don't really see oh that goodness, in I, me I, now, but I was, <laughs> a, I was a troubled kid. Oh. So what I recognize, though, is to your point about family, even though it's, it's such an anchor in Eastern culture, absolutely there are variations and permutations of it in Western culture as oh, well. Yeah. And for those that unfortunately don't have the luxury of accessing biological family, I have seen people thrive by finding and creating their own families yes. that are maybe non-traditional, yes. but serve those same pivotal, crucial functions. The notion that anybody does it completely alone mm -hmm. is such a derisive and toxic idea for the individual yes. because you're going to be stuck alone. Yes. And when you have a moment of crisis yes. and challenge and struggle, right. 
you need help. Hundred percent. Can can I? Yeah, I'll share you a story. I feel like one of the best ways to understand humans is to look at the animals.、Hmm. Now, I want to tell you the story of the lone wolf. Have you heard about the lone wolf? How? No. Lo- okay, so there's like this entrepreneurial memes. If you search entrepreneurial meme on Google, like you'll、okay. see a wolf alone. <laughs> like,、okay. like you have to be a lone wolf to make it to be、yeah. a millionaire. Yeah, but if you dig into animal sciences, because I was curious, I was like, how does a lone wolf thrive alone in the forest? Right. You will see that this lone wolf is only alone for a short time. Eventually, he will look for a new pack.、Mm. There is no lone wolf. So, what does that infer about humans? We are animals. We are wired to be with people. Right. Lone wolf is a myth. It doesn't exist. So. Exactly, you need a community to thrive. Even in entrepreneurship, even in academia, as a researcher, you need people. That is so important. You heard it here first.、Uh, lone wolves are only alone for a short period of time. It's more like a lone wolf sabbatical <laughs>、yes. rather than、exactly. absolute exile. Exactly. So、uh, everybody, update your memes <laughs> and、uh, dig a little bit deeper before you follow this.、Yes. Construct of an idea、yes. uh, without doing your homework. Yes. So that being said,、uh, where do you th- see things going next in terms of technology going?、Uh, it's it's only becoming more and more part of our lives. This is not a novel thing anymore.、Yeah. Everybody can access anything at any time in less than a few seconds with a device in their pocket. So to have people completely unplugged from social media doesn't seem like it's going to happen. So, what is working for people that you're working with,、uh, companies that you're consulting, trends that you're seeing in your research? How do we survive this next wave of life with technology that just grows at a breakneck pace? Right, that's a, such a great question because, so I I research not just psych but also technology, and I'm gonna tell you the the future is crazy.、Hmm. Let me just give you an example before I answer the question.、Sure. In China right now. They're already developing a kind of technology where they just look at your face, like scan your face, and they know you're sad, and they market chocolates to you. So, using the technology of image recognition,、um, they can detect what you need.、Hmm. They can detect based on your hormone hormones for women that you need chocolates. So, what does that imply? Marketing is only going to get more intrusive in the future. Uh, also, what I mentioned earlier, technology design like Facebook, Instagram, and other apps that are coming up, it's all wired、uh, based on human tendencies.、Right. So, what does that imply? If you are not aware, and if you are not clear about why you're using social media, it's so easy to get sucked in. Right. So, a few basic tips for people. Number one, unplug for a bit and ask yourself, is this necessary? Right. Is this necessary for me right now? Let's say you have a finals coming up. Is using Instagram necessary for me right now? What purpose does it serve? So being self-aware and stopping for a little bit, it will be very very helpful. So、uh, I went on a sabbatical, Instagram sabbatical for a month, and it changed my life. I <laughs> I never knew I needed that. Okay.、Um, yeah. So second tip is be aware of how social media and technology is affecting your sleep. So a lot、mm. of research is coming up. About how people are having mood dysregulations, anxiety, and even just tendencies to want to commit suicide. Okay, side side research. There's a research that came up. Most of the suicides happen at two a.m.、Hmm. So anyway, so how does that relate to social media? 
Sleep dysregulation, a big problem is because of light, right? We sleep when lights are turned off. So if you use your social media before you sleep, what does that with your body is it's telling you to stay awake. Hmm. So you're supposed to sleep at 9 p.m. Because of social media, you're on it till 2 a.m. And you start getting anxiety about the next day and everything like that. Right. And the light on the LED is not helping you sleep at all. Hmm. So I would say to the next generation, be mindful. How is technology affecting your sleep? Right. right? And is that extra hours of scrolling worth your sanity, right? Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So just to recap, you know, a sabbatical can be good for you. It's scary. It's uncomfortable. Uh, I like to, to analogize a lot of what I've been experiencing transitioning from my 20s to my 30s as a second or third mm -hmm. puberty. There's so many things that are taboo to talk about mm -hmm. that are unfamiliar, that are uncomfortable, mm -hmm. that, you know, when you talk to somebody that's a little bit further along in life, they don't seem too bothered by it. Mm. A big function of that is they just lived longer and they've navigated and they've come to peace and accepted themselves. Mm. I think all of these new technology platforms are not inherently evil. I don't think Zuckerberg and all the people who've created these platforms are up at all hours of the day trying <laughs> to figure out how do we ruin the world. Um, I think more realistically, we're all fallible human beings and what you do in a vacuum mm. of trying to increase profits or increase mm. eyeballs on the screen, you don't realize until you do, and I'm glad that this research mm. that's talking about it, what the long-term impact and in effects and ramifications are for all types of people. Mm. And how do that, does that affect human relationships and oh, yeah. interactions oh, yeah. and self-esteem? Yes. So I think those are wonderful tips. Um, how can people find out more about you and learn about the work that you do and just communicate with you if they want to? Right. So everything is on my website, christinechen.com. Everything is there. I rarely use social media now. So anything, yeah, it's all on that website. And just to mention as well, on this website, she also has a blog, yes. which I love. Um, as a person There's that's been... three articles now, but I'll put more hey, that's on all right. <laughs> you know, three is three more than you would have had if you didn't yes. put them up at all. Yes. And I've been putting up blogs since uh, Zanga back in 2003. Huh. So uh, I, I really appreciate that platform. Mm -hmm. It allows people to interact in a different yes. way. Okay, so they can find you on christinechen.com. And what kind of things can they find on your website? So right now, so aside from these three articles, you'll see my past. Because right now, I'm really focused on research and less on the marketing and communication mm -hmm. side of it. So up and coming are definitely articles related to technology and psychology. If you want to learn more about how social media affects you and how you can better have uh, better time management in the time of this technological age, uh, yeah, everything's there. Fantastic. And to your point about unplugging from technology, we actually met, not online, <laughs> we met at a rally that a friend of mine put yes. on for women of color in downtown LA. And I went there on a Saturday morning and uh, eventually joined a, uh, an incubator program alongside Christine here. And then that's how we connected. But it all started off of an analog yes. community building event. Yes, yes, definitely in person. In person. Yeah. Great. Do you have any last words you want to share with the audience? Last words. Everyone, please be proactive instead of reactive when it comes to social media and technology. Yeah, because I have my a brother myself, and I'm seeing the impact of technology. So 
if there's one thing I want to say is let's start being more self-aware and love yourself enough to know when to quit. Love yourself enough to know when enough is enough for you. And you got this. Better than I could have said it myself. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, Today's guest was Christine Chen, and you can find her on christinechen.com. We will see you next time. Thank you.